the cultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, our first returning guest, author of Sex at Dawn, Chris Ryan, this time with his bride and co-author, Casilda Jatha, chatting about surprise gifts from Australia, learning not to bogart the orgasmo orb, O'Lelly's surprising anti-Ted leanings, finding out that your readers are your friends, and learning that the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And now, quietly awaiting my one-way ticket to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers, and my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniel Bolelli. Away we go. Episode 15, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Daniele Bolelli. Yay. Yay. So, here we go. Let's take care of some business before we get started. Uh, Datsusara, thank you, thank you, thank you for sponsoring us. Uh, please show the man some love. Chris Odell, and uh, even if you just decide that you take a look at the picture of the man and you say, I don't want to show that man some love, well, you're mean because you should, he's nice, but if you really don't, show some love to the products. The guy makes some awesome hemp gear. I really, I mean, I've never felt so weird in my life about being ridiculously excited over receiving a bag. I was like, okay, that's just a little weird, but I was, and I still am. I look at my bags all happy and thrilled. Backpacks, computer bags, um, T-shirts, gi, the whole thing, Olamp products. Oh, and by the way, I didn't tell you this. Um, this is awesome. Mr. Paul Clawiter already made quite a few animations for our thing. He did the animation for the Gonzalo Guerrero story. He did the animation for the strawberry thing that we did with Duncan. He did a few. <clears throat> it's got to be the liver eater. No, he is doing an animation for Datsusara, which may be out by the time the episode is out, about the time when we discuss about... The micro ninjas. Yeah. Yes! There are hemp ninjas inside (laughs) every bag, custom made to kill all the microbes that try to attack your gear. So yes, that's a cool animation. I got to see the preview yesterday. It was awesome. In any case, Datsusara, we love you. Thank you. Thank Um, you. Quick mention for all the affiliates. Sure Design T-shirt. What can I say? Awesome gear. Uh, the T-shirts are... I love them. I love them. I love them. I just received by Chris Ryan. They are the shirt for his podcast, which was made by Sure Design T-shirt, and is soft and comfy like a baby's butt. Okay, I'm feeling like a Catholic priest. I won't go there. So I'm not talking about this stuff. But in any case, Sure Design T-shirts, they are beautiful. They are awesome. We love them. Um, check, uh, and by the way, we put all of these in the episode notes. That's Susara, Sure Design, all the other affiliates. There are codes that you can type in if you decide to buy any of their products and you got a discount. And that's been brought to our attention that our listeners are stoned out of their minds and they'll use our links, they'll buy the products and not use the discount code, which sort of only hurts you, but you know, probably is a good idea if you do so. Speaking of discount codes and good products, uh, um, Curacao Chocolate uh, will put the link in the episode notes. 
So if you are in dire needs of shooting chocolate straight into your veins, they'll deliver you actually high quality chocolate that's quite damn healthy and tasty. So good deal there. And last but not least, uh, audible.com. If you are into, uh, Chris, your, aud- your book is on audiobook. Yep. Yay. So if you decided you wanted to give audio- audiobooks a try, you have never done that before, um, good time to try. You can check Sex at Dawn um, over at audible.com. And the beauty of the Audible program is that you can try for a month. Uh, you don't pay anything. You get your book. You have fun. And you, after you have used their services, you can run away. No, that would be a little messed up if you just do it in that fashion. But if you are honestly just wanting to give it a try, you owe them nothing. You know, that's part of the deal is you try it for a month. You like it. Great. You stick with it. You don't like it. You're done. You don't owe them a dime. They are banking on the fact that people who try it dig it. So what better way if you decide to try it than by checking out Sex at Dawn. Are you reading it or is somebody else doing that? I offered to read the whole thing mm-hmm. and uh, they turned me down and they hired an actor to read it and they sent us the MP3 of a sample of this guy reading it and I swear it sounded like a computer-generated voice. Oh, Jesus. Unbelievable. So we raised hell and we said, look, you got to hire different actors right. and you got to have a man and a woman because the book's co-authored yeah. and it's about <clears throat> sexuality and, you know, you got to have both sexes represented there. But they did have me read the preface, which is a story about uh, a monkey attacking my girlfriend. Yeah, I saw that. That was hilarious. Out. Yeah. So I read that. Uh, that's I me. still find it really weird that they wouldn't have the author read the whole damn thing because most people yeah. want to hear the author's voice, whether it is the... I don't know. That just seems bizarre. Yeah, you know, in my experience, there's a world of difference between publishing your first book and then after that. Mm. Mine, sadly not. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm glad that's your thinking, and hopefully it will work out that way for you. But yeah, yeah, in my experience is... you get, yeah, well, we won't go in my experience. Well, we'll see. I just yeah. thought it was really bold that you had the Bolelli sex bot read your book. I mean, that was quite Yeah, a- yeah. Well, the, the Bolelli sex bot actually speaks with that delicious Italian accent. That's the best part. That's why oh, I'm here every week. Oh, you didn't figure that out. Of course. Because, by the way, as we are going to find out later in the podcast, <laughs> Rich is gay. So we just <laughs> discovered that. We are excited about this discovery. None more than Rich was ready to... Well, with all those Democratic senators finally evolving to accept me, I felt like it was a what little I, time. What Very I find nice. funny is Daniele is, is breaking this news about you being gay while he has another creature's balls in his hand. <laughs> Seems pretty... <laughs> He's stroking the furry balls of I, a dead animal. We're actually going to go into that in just one minute, so I'm going to go to what is sadly telling the truth, but uh, yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I was actually sadly we're going to get to this point. Not but bad. Couple of quick last thing. Amazon link. Lots of you guys are using it. Thank you guys so much. So if you're buying anything on Amazon, you want to use our link. Brings a little bit to us rather than just everything to Amazon. It's sweet. Nice. We love you for that. Um, Daisy House. Man, I, every time I listen to the intro music, I dig it more than the time before. And uh, I started liking it to begin with. So I'm really, I don't know, man, I'm really happy with our stuff. And thank you guys so much for giving us the music. Last but not least, uh, um, actually, that's not last but not least. There are two more things. One, donations. So quick read. Oh, 
fuck this week. Oh god. The first name is gonna kill me. Rich, help me out here. What the hell? Let we the have butchering begin. Jeanette uh, from Norway is cool, but you probably look like a middle name and your last name. I think I can pull off your last name. I think I wanna go in Jeanette Amundsen. Sound nor Norwegian. Is that even an adjective? How do you say it in Norwegian? Good, thank you. Norwegian is in Italian. That's how I fucking speak. I don't know how to speak in English. Your middle name, I'm lost. Herade, something, sorry. Well, in any case, Jeanette, thank you for the donation. Jordan Easton, you have a more pronounceable name. Thank you for that. <laughs> Sean Faust, Jay Pomerville, Shannon Cui. Cui. I think I used that before and I, I forgot how I pronounce it. But here we go. Where to, you know, we have Bryant Coleman, Cody Kuyak, Michael Rice. And there is some strange one being. And that's bring us to the furry balls. Chimi Moxam or Kimi Moxam. Um, I received a package in addition to the donation, which was sweet. I also received a package from Australia, which contains a book. Sweet. Thank you for sharing. Chocolate. Always very sweet. And a particular Australian souvenir. It's a bottle opener, which I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, we can use it. Drunken Taoist. We just used it, by the way, to pop some beer. And except that the bottle opener is made out of I'm not kidding you. Kangaroo scrotum. So, hence, that's why I have the balls of a kangaroo in my hand that were used to open our beers. And that was, by the way, part of the request was, it would be great if you can use it to pop some beer open on the podcast. And, you know, I fulfilled weirder fantasies in my life, except I don't remember when or how, because that just... Yeah, it may have happened, but I can't quite remember that. That's now, someone else's so. fantasy. Yeah, right? well, yeah, in yeah. this case, or at least we'll say it that way. But yeah, no, at <laughs> least I didn't know I had a fantasy about. I feel slightly bad about the poor kangaroo who's going around ballless, or more likely than not, who's probably. I'm hoping that the poor kangaroo wasn't shot because of his balls, because I would feel really bad if this is the whole function of it. If the kangaroo, as I think and hope, was killed for other reasons, and then, you know, this was a use everything, don't waste anything. Then yeah, we're I'm pretty a- good about that, mate. Just tail nuggets are in- very popular, so don't worry. <laughs> in that case, I'm uh, the proud owner of the kangaroo balls bottle opener. Well, the but- best news is to all our friends that available at Amazon... <laughs> I've already it, looked it up. You have? Kangaroo's scrotum is well available. Oh, Amazon. seriously? There you go. No and they could way. go through the You can get a pouch or you can link. get the balls itself. So there's a few different variants. But uh, wow. If you want to be the proud owner of uh, Kangaroo Balls <laughs> Bottle Opener, use our Amazon link and we'll make money. I, no, come on. I can't, we can't make money off Kangaroo Balls, can we? Yes, we can make money yeah. off Kangaroo Balls. So yes, by all means. But... So yes, that is why Chris was referring to the furry balls that are in my hand and are not my own. I gotta Still say, them down has he? He's really getting that's what good I was gonna work say. Them, it's right. like we finished those beers about an hour ago, <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't let go of those furry yeah. balls. Yes, it's yes, it's, yes there's, yes. there's a, a real affinity there. Part of my excuse is the mental insanity that I'm currently experiencing is a result of the fact that my last 24 hours have included eight hours of lecturing in college, and uh, this is my third podcast in the last 24 hours. I was a guest on one last night, the ones we're doing right now, and then I was a guest on uh, Matt Stagg's uh, The Disinfo podcast. Now, a quick 
mention about Mr. Matt Staggs, um, they're really, I cannot think much of the same way as I can think of anything weirder than the kangaroo balls request, even though it may have happened. It may have happened that somebody has helped me more for my stuff in terms of my writing and opportunities than, than Matt, but I cannot possibly think of who that person could be. Because Matt hooked me up in ways that I can't even begin to describe. Like he's the guy who um, made uh, my first visit at the Joe Rogan podcast happen. He's the guy who later, uh, he hooked me up having a thing printed on the front page of the Huffington Post. Uh, he hooked me up with, at one point he sent me this email and he's like, you really need to get to meet this guy, Duncan Trussell. You guys would have some awesome conversation. I can see it. And I, I Google Duncan and I look at some of his stuff on YouTube and I'm like, this guy, really? Matt, what the fuck are you thinking? That guy is weird, you know, he's big funny, he's strange. Little did I know, again, Matt is fucking brilliant. He saw it long before I saw it in any way that, you know, we would eat it off in not yet a gay way, but you never know. But, uh, you know, the fact is he saw it, and the zillion podcast letters with Duncan, clearly, you know, Matt had it and I didn't see it. So bottom line, a million thanks to Mr. Matt Staggs for everything he has done. And uh, he is now probably because of all the mine, Rogan influence, he decided to start jujitsu, straining like a madman, never done anything like that in his life, lost a ton of weight, feels a lot healthier. Well, that is until he left his arms removed by some overconfident guy who will decide to flex his muscle and uh, show what real jiu-jitsu is about, Whoa. which is jiu-jitsu is about kicking your ass. But um, the, so we'll see, you know, but uh, I'm super happy for Matt for all the stuff he's been doing. And thank you so much for everything you have done for me. On that note, Anything else? Ready to go? I think we. I did think we uh, buried the hatch with with young Oliver out there, so I feel much better. Yeah, about Yeah, no, that. but I could. You know, he was a nice guy to begin I think with. So. I'm glad he was clarified and stuff. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, if you guys want to check out the forum that um, you know the Drunken Taoist forum, if you guys want to chat about any of the strange things that are coming up, particularly if you want to discuss kangaroo balls. Uh, go on the forum, start thread, uh, engage in conversation, just be nice to each other. It's one of the coolest thing I've seen on the forums yet was been the everybody lo love Rich thread after Rich got kicked around too much. He now is the recipient of much love, always sweet. And uh, nothing, I'll shut up because we'll talk quite a bit during the episode and um, just hit me with the kangaroo balls already to make me stop. It's just, it's time to, okay. Those were the kangaroo balls on the microphone. We are out. Here we go. Episode um, a lot. Episode <laughs> something. 16, 500. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, back with us, the first actually returning guest, Chris Ryan. Seriously. Back. And, wow, uh, I'm honored. I had no idea. But we'll soon take the mic away from you because you brought better company. <laughs> oh boy. How do you pronounce your name? Casilda. Casilda. You know, it's actually one of the rare times when I would have guessed right.
just about every normal American sounding name I screw it up. Your name, I would have actually gone, got it right. An anti-bottering moment, one. unbelievable. Yeah. Yes, and the first one. Yeah. Because most of the people, they do not know how to pronunciate my right. name. Pronoun- right. I, 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 uh, I did an interview once yeah. with Irish Radio, <laughs> and everybody, you can tell the pros from the non-pros because the pros ask me before we go on the air, how do you say her name? Right, right, right. Because right. they see it. <laughs> And the non-pros just wing it, and then they're halfway through the interview, and they're like, and Dr. Ryan and his wife, and this guy said, Sausalito. Oh, my God. Sausalito. How the the fuck do you get to Sausalito from that? No, it actually, it reads, you pronounce it exactly as you read. It's Casilda. It's right there. It reads just like, yeah, makes sense to me, too. Well, I got to tell you, this is a, a special moment here, because this is the first time Casilda has ever agreed to be interviewed. I know. Even to this extent, just to when when I asked her to be co-author of the book, mm-hmm. she refused initially. And then um, I would refuse you to so we are <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. No, it's it's logical. She right. thought it would be a disaster and embarrassment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. She knew yeah. right. Uh, but uh, the one of her conditions when I finally convinced her to, to be co author was that she said, Okay, but I'm never talking about my personal life and I'm not doing any interviews. You handle all that stuff. Fair. I said, Okay. I will. And so this that's this is the first time you've spoken into a microphone, I think, in two and a half years. See, it's uh, Danielle's fault, it's for Danielle's sure. Fault. And uh, his producer, <laughs> who put are, me the, the headphones. Head. Well, we are honored. Oh, yeah, We are totally honored. I couldn't be more excited. So I have to ask immediately, since we're not allowed to say anything personal, where'd you grow up at? Oof. Uh, well, I was born in Mozambique, um, left Mozambique when I was 13, Went to Portugal, lived in Portugal t- till twenties. Went to Mo- back to Mozambique, continued study, worked there. Went back to Portugal at thirties, uh, uh, late late twenties. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, but there's so much obscured in that. I mean, uh, here what you need to understand because oh, Casilda's looks Indian, right? But she's born and raised in Africa. In a, ha- in a part Muslim, part Hindu, Indian family, okay, she's 12 years old. There's a civil war in Mozambique. The rebels take over the country, and they, the new rebel leader, like the Fidel Castro of, of Mozambique, what was his name? Samora Michel. Samora Michel says, okay, here's the deal, people. You've got 24 hours to leave if you want to leave, and you can take 20 kilos, of anything. If you're still here, <laughs> of anything. If you're still here after 24 hours, you're part of the revolution. Whatever you thought you owned is now owned by the state, and that's it. So her parents put her on a plane to Portugal at 12, 13? Oh, yes, I was almost 13. Almost 13. How many planes had you ridden in t- up till then? <laughs> a lot, because okay. my, yeah, my stepfather was... Uh, a, fly, a flight, flight uh, navigator. Oh, yeah, navigator. Yeah. So, yeah, for tap. So at least that tap. wasn't terrifying. The rest no, of it was. no, no. Oh, yes, no, no. So she, so she yeah. gets to Portugal. She's living with relatives she'd never met before. There's war in her country. Her family's all back there. This intense situation. 
goes through medical school, then goes back to Mozambique, which is sort of simmering down now. There's still guerrilla operations going on and, you know, U.S. supporting and South Africa supporting the rebels who were fighting against the government and sort of a Nicaragua contra Mm -hmm. situation. And Cassie works seven years as the only doctor in an area the size of Delaware, driving from village to village. 50,000 inhabitants. 50,000 inhabitants. Driving from village to village in a four-wheel drive pickup truck with some rudimentary medical supplies in the back, dealing with every medical situation you can imagine that you'd find. Delivering babies, amputating limbs, people dying. You know, epidemic, dis- epidemic diseases, pandemics. Yeah. So I would say she's color. really well prepared for tonight. You know, yeah. Between yeah. amputations, <laughs> delivering babies, all of these will take place Lally, before. Yeah, illnesses. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever happens, she's like, you know, in the in the post-apocalyptic world, right. she's who you want. Yes. Perfect. And she can gut and skin animals and, you, you know, she's like, survive. she's badass, I'm telling you. She's, you're the badass historian. Oh, no, but she's the badass. Yes, psychiatrist. This is awesome. <laughs> but you went spinning around the world as well on your travels. So yeah, but I was just a schmuck with a backpack. Other. Well, of course, but still it's great stories. Yeah. Have you taught uh, English to prostitutes in Thailand, for example? As one does. And he got yes. points for that, but <laughs> amputating limbs that automatically, if it involves knives and blood, you yeah. got more points. And, uh, Definitely. <laughs> Some friends of mine did a, a movie about a guy, I wish he knew his name, but he was a Beverly Hills um, plastic surgeon. And he wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, so he went. And he suffered some sort of pulmonary disorder at the top of the mountain where he could not climb down. He was going to die there for sure. The villagers climbed the mountain, carried him down, massaged him to keep his blood running, got him to a helicopter just in time. So he comes back. He looks at this fucking giant mansion and all this shit, sells it all, and goes back to Africa. Good man. Patient number one. Because he was going to, you know drive around and had like a, a little RV as much as you could and go place to He place. just wanted to pay it back. He wanted to pay it back. Patient one was a guy with a piece of metal shoved through his neck yeah. that he had no idea how to treat. So he got on the radio, had an old school basic first aid right. uh, and he and his pal got him through it and that was patient one. And since then he's been doing it for years. So these are the stories wow. I love. Yeah. Yeah. And I did stuff like that. I'm sure every day. Yes. yes. I'm trying to convince Casilda to write her memoirs, and I'll help her write them. All she has to do is, like, you know, sketch it out in rough English, and I'll do, I'll do the rest because her stories are fucking amazing. The shit she's she did there. I'm down. Yeah, Yeah. I would read that book without question. Yeah, we want it. So, but she's all you can see. Like she's, you can't tell because she's brown, but she's blushing. She, she comes from this place where you don't talk about yeah. yourself. Gotcha, you know, gotcha, you gotcha. Don't. But I can't swear I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we met uh, at a at a trans personal Personals. psychology conference in Portugal. Did she come in through a door and there you saw her and that was that? Yeah. Because that happened to me. Yeah. That's the way I met my wife. When oh, she I thought you meant it happened when she walked in tonight. I, that's I was going to mention that later, but we haven't got to the book yet. I was saving that. <laughs> but yeah, when she walked in, I knew. And we're going to be 20 years, you know, in a few months. So. All right. Congratulations. I guess dealing with me. Yeah. Yeah. That can't be he easy. has to deal with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, when I, I mean, it's a long story. I won't tell the whole story, but I, I come to this, uh, this conference and there were 
two lines to register, right? And I show up at this conference in Portugal on my BMW motorcycle, leather jacket, you know, the whole thing. I'm like Mr. Cool Guy. And, you know, I hooked up with women at conferences a lot. There's no place better to hook up with women than a psychology conference. All right, just trust me. I'm just feeling so vulnerable right now. (laughs) It's like most of the people at the conference are women in their 30s and 40s who are smart, open-minded, and they're at a conference. Single. Single, divorced, or married, whatever. Yeah, but most of... uh, A lot of of single women. So anyway, there was like one table, some guy was like doing the registration, and the other table is this really hot Brazilian woman. So I'm like, I'm in that line right and so i get up there and by the time i was done registering she and i were gonna go to dinner that night we had it all set like dude i'm like so smooth you know and check you out so then i go to the <laughs> so then i go to the the like the what's, what's it called the, the thing where the conference starts everybody's there you know it's like 200 people in this room and the Brazilian woman is um, like walking around in front, checking the mics and you know closing the curtains or whatever. And every dude in that place, you can see their heads just pivot, just, <laughs> da, 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 just tracking her everywhere. Right. And I'm sitting in the back, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's mine, dude. You know, I'm gonna be there. Give me four hours, I'll be there. And then uh, the thing started, and Casilda walked in, and I saw her, and it was like. My memory just got washed clean and everything started. We started talking just completely naturally. And uh, you were thinking of talking about my your amber, amber ring. ring. Yeah, I was looking for excuses. <laughs> and in the end, I didn't need any excuse yeah. at all. But the, the point of the story is the next morning I'm at breakfast uh, with Casilda and that hot Brazilian chick comes over and says, what happened to you? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, oh that's right. Right. That was probably really healthy for her. She probably <laughs> needed a little of that in her life. <laughs> that's the thing. I think it's like the one and only time. The guy right. she met the next day is the happiest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> they she got their... a taste of, yeah. Yep. Oh, name, Chris. name the first she kid, Chris. Yeah. Beautiful. She was astonishingly beautiful. She right. was hot. Very, she very was hot. And she's a nice very. person as far as I could tell. Of but. course. Anyway, you asked if it happened. <laughs> yeah, it happened so much that it like made me forget a really hot woman I had a date with. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I guess that's love, right? Is, is that how you define love? Makes you forget a hot woman you were supposed to have a date with. That's insanity. That's, yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> mental insanity is what makes you forget a hot woman. <laughs> All right, yeah. but enough yeah. about us. Yeah. By the way, no, you guys are. Um, I last time I, you know, skimmed through the book. This time I actually got to go through it and everything. Oh. And uh, you guys write well. I can tell oh, you that much. You, you know, you. beside nice. the content, which is always fun and everything, is uh, anytime you write a book that's nonfiction, that's thick enough, that's you know solid, lots of pages and so on, keeping the right rhythm. It's hard because it's very easy to get too theoretical and start going off. And, you know, you make sense. All the points are good, but nobody wants to read them because you're like, Jesus, another 300 pages of this is like you guys do an awesome job at um, being witty, being funny, being, you know, switching the rhythm in such a way that you can go really deep and really lighthearted and funny in the same Mm. page. And I love it. Because it makes it uh, it makes it possible to discuss really interesting but heavy subjects 
in a very lighthearted way, kind of like you're chatting over a beer with somebody, which is a, the exact way in which you want to discuss the, the deep stuff. If the deep stuff feels deep, ooh, that's not so good. If the deep fe stuff feels lighthearted and you, you don't even realize it's deep, that's perfect. And yeah. that's kind of how exactly what you guys did with it is um, well, a lot of fun Chris to read. Well, what Chris did, because Chris is uh, Chris's voice you know, mm -hmm. in a book. Someone has to put a voice. Mm -hmm. And I think Chris has, is brilliant because he, he paints with the words, yep. I would say. I would agree. Yes. My wife thinks I'm brilliant. Well, you, you know what? I don't know what that says <laughs> about me moment. in that case, but I thought so too. <laughs> I would have to agree with her. <laughs> yes. It, well, it's uh, funny the, the, the way you described it. Like It feels like you're sit having a beer at the bar with a friend. Mm -hmm. My father, who's a very good writer and who edited the book mm -hmm. before yeah. our editor ever saw it, mm -hmm. my dad read every iteration, right. every draft, every chapter. And um, my father, who's been monogamously married for 52 years, by the way, um, and uh, he always said to me when I was growing up and we talked about writing, he always said, the key to writing is to make it sound like you're having a conversation yep. at a bar with your friends. Yep. Because your readers are your friends. If they're not your friends, if you don't think of them as your friends, then they're not going to feel welcome. They're not going to feel that yep. you're trying to, you know, you got to make it fun for them. Otherwise, why the fuck should they give you their time, you know? Did they give you a hard time when, like, people editing the book, whoever did the editing job, where they like, cut um, this stuff, cut that, you don't need it. Very little. I, I, my editor in the book is Ben Lonin, who was at HarperCollins, and now he's at Simon & Schuster. I'm doing the next book with mm -hmm. him at Simon & Schuster. Um, I've got no complaints about him as an editor. He's a really uh, smart, easygoing guy. Uh, <laughs> but he's I remember one section I had in there where I was having I had taken a passage from someone's book that I was disagreeing sure. with and so I just took this passage and I without editing anything on their side I just would like have a statement from them and then I would respond and then the next statement and then I'd respond so it was sort of like a conversation except the other person didn't know right. I was there you know and Ben in his edit he wrote in the in the column he wrote um I feel like I'm watching a boxing match where one of the boxers is drugged. <laughs> I can't begin to describe how much I hate reading this. <laughs> By the way, that's the. Per what other boxing match would you want to enter in other than when your opponent is drugged? It's that's drugged. exactly how you want to exactly. do have a boxing match. It's the match. only one I'm going to step into the ring with. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't. It, it was interesting is that he didn't say. You got to cut this out. Right. He just said, this is how it makes me feel. Well, that's okay. That's honest. And he always, his approach was always like, this is your book. Right. You know, you have to be comfortable with this. Right. So I'll suggest this or that. That's cool. But in the end, it's you. Um, yeah, I can't imagine a better editor. No, and I mean, in fact, any editor eventually, good editor is going to let you do your thing for sure. But it's funny because one thing that I notice, and not by bad editors, by the way, by people who are clearly good, who are liking my stuff, who are, you know, there's a good, is not somebody who's hostile to what I'm doing, but yet often the style, the mixing of very serious and funny and the mixing of all these things seem um, seem like something that a lot of people have a hard time with. You know, they seem like something that um, like over and it was funny, like over and over again, I noticed passages of my book that um, or my books in the plural 
the parts that I dig the most are almost regularly the parts that editors want to cut. Really? Mm -hmm. And this because they are non-essential to the argument. You know, you can cut those pages and you wouldn't know argument-wise, uh, yeah. yeah. but feel-wise, style-wise, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. rhythm, funny element. Yeah. That's to me where I'm having, that's where I'm having the blast writing. You know, right. it's not necessarily all about content. It's about style, it's about flavor, it's about, and those are usually the things that when they are trying to save a space, it's like, well, you can do without it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the part yeah. where I'm having so much fun. You know, that's yeah. the, and that's what I dug about your thing that uh, you guys do um, where there is this uh, constant, like you do it in every single page. There's the moment of, it is where we go with the deep concepts and in the same sentence, I'm gonna throw something that's gonna make you laugh for a second, that's mm. gonna mm. relax yes. you, that's gonna relax yeah. the reader, that's gonna right. feel like you're there having a good time and yeah. that makes it so much easier to read through stuff. Yeah, thank you, know? you man. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, uh, not, not everyone responds that way to it. I've, well, that's because they are stupid and they should be punched <laughs> in the face. I think so, right. right. Drugged first. And yeah, of course, because we don't yeah. want fair fights. Yeah. Yes, of course, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, so it, one of the things I learned, and this is the first book I've ever published, mm -hmm. so you've been down this road a few times, but one of the things I learned is is just how true it is that you can't make everybody happy. No, of course know? not. And no matter what you do, you know, we, you look at the Amazon reviews or whatever, it's like, you know, there'll be five star, five star, five star, one star. Well, of course. I hated it. Yep. You know, this is a piece of shit. They're stupid. It's spelled yep. wrong. You know, <laughs> it's like... I, you know, just the amazing, emotional, yeah. The the people who don't like yeah. it are really, really upset. Yeah, you but know. that's that's the norm. I mean, that's yeah. uh, every single book out there that has more than X number of reviews will have the one star review. Yeah. Yeah. Every single YouTube video where you have a five hundred <laughs> like, you're gonna have the ones who yeah. you know. It's just the nature of the business. Every single silly podcast you do, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. And the very same yeah. thing why people like you are the very same yeah. thing why other people dislike. That's what I was trying you know? to say. It's exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it happens yeah. with everything. Yeah. yeah. But the the haters are almost the you know, that guy is so mad yeah. that he's going to waste 15 minutes of his life to throw this charge out at you. Yeah. Knowing yeah. that it will crush your soul. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, of course, of it's course. It's almost more energizing than the praise because yeah. I don't believe the praise. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the line the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Right. Right, right, right. right? So yeah. like if you really want to hurt yeah. a writer's feelings, just don't even like write to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just be <laughs> I was met with nothing but silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, no, that does exactly. definitely. Yeah. Or what's but the Oscar the Wilde line? the only thing worse than being talked about is not yeah. being talked yeah, about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's why it's like there's there's no such thing as bad publicity. You know, even mm. people talking shit about you is better than not talking in that sense. Right. So right. it's true. But no, I'm having, you know, I've I really had a blast going through stuff because oh, uh, you guys have a good rhythm to it all. And it's not easy to do. I mean, when it, how many pages does it end up being? Like it's 300 plus. Yeah. It's hard to do that, you know, it's hard to keep, it's 150, 200 pages, you can keep things a bit. Over 300 pages, clearly you need to write in such a way that you are constantly have to throw the hook out there to bring people yeah. back in. So right. it's, um, yeah, it's yeah man, but 
a lot of fun definitely well now i have to do it again that's as soon as we're leaving town at the end of uh, april and when we're in vancouver i have to write another book that's due october oh yeah, yeah that's quick coming fast um, yeah <laughs> do uh, I, i mean i remember you told me more or less what do you want to tell us a little bit about the next book Uh, it's called Civilized to Death, and it's sort of uh, going to be a more well, – it's, it's not about sex. It's more – it's sort of – I'm not sure what it's going to be, really, because <laughs> when I start writing, I'll know. But I've got a general sense. The way I'm thinking of it, it's sort of like, you know, like those cowboy miners, you know, like they'd open up a hole on the side of a mountain. But then you hit a vein and you follow the vein. Right. You know, so that's that's why I don't get too specific about what it's about. That is so funny. I do the exact opposite when I write. Like oh, I'll yeah. take notes for like five years and then by the time I write, all I have to do is write because the structure, everything is already in place. Yeah. I hate as I'm writing having to think about where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I kind of already want to know where I'm going. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together. The where I'm going part has been earlier. Mm. But that's funny because philosophically, I can totally see how it's fun to ride the wave and do exactly what you're doing. Right. So it's not that on a philosophical level I disagree with. It's just something deeper in my DNA, I guess, just push me to go. I need that sense of structure first to right. then allow my writing to go crazy and go all over the place and do the Someone whole thing. Someone asked Casilda about my writing technique once. And yeah. she said... This must have been like the only other interview you ever did, and then you banished from interviews. It's she true. said, "She said Chris writes the way a dog takes a shit. <laughs> he just goes around and around in circles for a long time, and then he suddenly squats, and it all comes out." That's uh, poetry. Yeah, I bow to the poetry. That's, That's beautiful. I think it must sound better in Portuguese, yeah. uh, or maybe not, <laughs> or maybe it was meant exactly. Exactly as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I prefer the mining a vein of gold. Right. But if you want to call it a dog shitting, I guess I can't yeah. disagree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, the Tao is in everything, right? Uh, uh, it's so. an everyday yeah. familiar exactly. picture. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true. Every time I see a dog taking a shit, I think, yeah, that's <laughs> get some well, just like the way I'm writing. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, got to go yeah, up to yeah. Vancouver and take a big, long <laughs> shit this right. summer. Right. I gotta do. <laughs> did, the, did the Jared Diamond book in any way, the one that's coming out, or maybe did come out, did. I don't remember, it just came out. The um, World Until Yesterday. Yes. Yeah, does it um, mess us at all with some of the same topics in any way? Shape, I or think form? so. I haven't yeah. really looked at it deeply yet. I've got a copy that I, I'll need to take a look at. Um, the thing, it sort of started out like I was going to do more of a survey of the many ways in which the modern world is in conflict mm -hmm. with our evolved predispositions and all that. So, like, look at the way we sleep and the way we eat and the way we, you know, our interactions, social interactions, yada, yada, yada. And there will still be a lot of that. But the more I've thought about it, you know, I'm the dog going around in the circle mm -hmm. at this point. <laughs> of course. Um, it's... I think it's becoming something a little more profound and philosophical about the fact that we are the only animal that knows we're going to die. And so civilization is this attempt to um, enable us to live in denial of that fact. It's, right. it's a way of insulating us from that knowledge. But because it's about 
denial and and uh, turning away from the truth, it's essentially always going to make us unhappy. Right. Because it pulls us ever further away from the sorts of experiences and realizations that give life, uh, give meaning to life. Sure. And so there's this deep conundrum, you know, um, we were talking about traveling earlier. And like when I traveled, I was poor. I had, you know, I would work for a while, save five, ten thousand $10,000 and then hit the road. And I would travel till I ran out of money. So I spent as little as possible because I was loving the traveling and I sure as fuck didn't want to go get a job somewhere, you know. And um, so I was living, I was traveling pretty close to the bone and it was very inconvenient, but man, it was great. The experiences were just amazing, you know, and now I travel, now I'm older, I've got a little cash, you know, and whatever we, you know, we're not riding on the roof of the fucking bus in India, right. you know, <laughs> hugging a sheep. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. Right. Um, but I look back on those days and I, I was you miss so the happy. Sheep, don't I, you? Miss, I miss yeah. it, but I would never, I would never choose if I've got the choice, I would never choose it. So. You know, it's like I, I saw this interview with uh, Sebastian Junger. Uh, he was on Bill Maher a couple weeks ago. He's the guy a, who wrote War? Uh, yeah, War, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, The Perfect Storm mm-hmm. and some other yep. stuff. So he was uh, it, embedded for six months in, in Afghanistan with <laughs> Marines. You know, the poor guy writes a book where he's embedded for six months in Afghanistan, write this deep philosophical thing about the meaning of war and these and conflict and the forces that can overcome. And the only thing I remember out of his book, which I did read, was how basically earning your black belt in masturbation if you are able to pull it off in the middle of a firefight. (laughs) And that's the only thing I remember right now. I'm sorry, man. Well, you didn't know I was going to mention it. You you would have gone back and studied it. No, but but I'm sorry to him that after reading 200, 300 of his pages, that's what I remember right now. Well, that's, you know, different things stick with different (laughs) readers, so to speak. I guess so. Yeah. But anyway, Bill Maher said to him, like, uh, he said, you know, why do these guys fight? You know, what's what's going on? Or, you know, they don't know anything about geopolitics. And he said, they fight for love. Yeah. No. It's all about love. Oh, I remember that too. Okay, yeah. sure. Beside masturbation right. during the gunfight. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. And then he got into this whole thing about how, you know, when you're in that kind of situation, every detail of your life is meaningful mm-hmm. because it could be the difference well, between right. life and death or your friend's life or death. And so you pay attention and, and you live so richly and your friendships are so intense and deep and there's so much emotional depth to your life and then mm-hmm. you come home and it's like, honey, what do you want at the Safeway? You know, right. Safeway being the op- yep. it, it, The safety of our protected lives cuts us off from life itself. Well, I mean, there's something to be said about when everything you do could be the last one you do, which really, any that's true for anybody all right. the time except that most of the time it doesn't feel that way right for most people it doesn't feel like it's going to be the last thing you could possibly do right uh, but when you are in a situation where the reality of it is very you know there's a sense that yes the odds are there's a good chance that that could be the last thing you do it's obviously horrible but at the same time it gives a power to every action everything you do that's right ordinary experience you know people go through 10 years of their lives and it goes in a blink and they barely remember it and instead when you live like that every damn second feels like 
so intense and so beautiful that it tears you apart. You're you're yes. actually living. Yep. You're exactly. grounded. You're and grounded. Like immortal, like yep. before. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Spain, I, I spent a lot of time in hospitals, and and one of the reasons I loved working in hospitals was I felt honored to be there. Yeah. Right. Be, you know, people are going through true shit. Yep. You know, these are the worst days of their life. Yep. Usually. Yeah. 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 This, this is them. Yeah. Right. And you know, or you know, the, someone's father just died, and someone's right. husband just died, someone's wife is six. You know, whatever. They're going through the most intense private stuff in a public space and i'm walking through that room that they're in or the doctors i mean i was i was teaching english to you know surgeons oncologists and they would come in you know five minutes late for class oh i'm sorry man i was just you know doing a heart transplant like oh yeah well that's no excuse (laughs) yeah right come on man we're we're talking grammar here (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah it's there's the, the thing is, I think there's some value in truth that as animals, we can't escape. And yet we've designed a society that's all about falsity. Mm-hmm. And so we hide. And there's plenty of death around us all the time, but of we course. hide it. You know, yeah. it's like specialists, ambulance drivers, cops and doctors yeah. see it. The rest of us, you know. That's why one of the arguments that I actually make in a lot of things. I'm sure I made it in podcast before. I definitely make it in the last book and create your own religion is the idea that part of the reason why particularly in religions, the running away from the body, from the physical dimension of life uh-huh. mm. uh, in general, and sex in specific, a lot of that is tied back to the fear of death. Oh. Right. The fact that, you know, the more you identify yourself with the physical, the more, well, there's no line about the physical, there are no exception, there's everybody dies. Yeah. Whereas if you can pretend that you are not your body, that your body is kind of like this accident, that really you are this disembodied soul that's going somewhere else, then you can at least mentally overcome the fear of that because you are not really dying. It's not really you. It's just a mass of flesh that you borrowed for a while, but that's not the real you. And, you know, that becomes the reason to divorce physical life you know the the life of not trust the body not trust sex not trust the senses and instead you start privileging this abstract purely spiritual dimension as if you know imagining that spirituality can exist completely separate from the physical and it opens the door to the weirdest perversions you know it becomes which is really something that is born out of fear and it end up being the thing that um, people go for mm, having horrendous results on life on earth on with everything that goes when people are you know their so-called spirituality is a war with their instincts when they're uh, all of that stuff opens the door to the war stuff of all i wonder if there if there's a healthy way to do that in the sense i mean as you're talking i'm thinking you're definitely right when you're talking about monotheistic judeo-christian islam Mm -hmm. you know um but I can think of animistic societies that also have a strong sense that th- that there's more to us than this particular life or this particular sure. body, and that gives them a lot of uh, peace, right? You know, when it comes time to die, because they say, "Well, you know, I'm a raindrop, yep. and the you know it cha- it'll hit the ocean and it'll go back in, but it doesn't disappear. The form yep. changes, right?" And that gives them comfort. Mm-hmm. And 
yet it doesn't lead them to deny the body the way these guilt-based religions do. Well, but I mean, one is based on the idea that your identity as you know it right now, continues forever. Right. And that's the big appeal of why those things sell is because oh, I don't want nice. to be a fucking raindrop. I want to be Daniele Bolelli with yeah, my mind, no. with my ideas, right. with yeah. my everything. That needs to last forever. Through being the raindrop, evasion, right? Exactly. Ego, of course. And so yeah. that's what makes the difference because, I mean, we know that, you know, basic physics teaches you that nothing is created, nothing is destroyed in that sense. Right. Of course, yeah. the fact that you died doesn't mean that it told this appears the problem is who the hell cares i'm not me anymore i'm some other stuff or i'm fertilizer or i'm something else and people freak out because that's not not enough comfort for most people that that's enough to say oh well in that case it's all good and fine you know their attachment to one's identity means that you want it to be exactly as you know it in life not something else yeah yeah although if you look at it in those ways we all die constantly yeah right daniele bolelli Mm -hmm. of five years ago didn't have a daughter you know his life was completely different he's gone so who the every hell day, is Daniel? Yep. We renew cells every day. Yep. Yeah, like every seven years every your seven. entire body's yep. changed, it's changed, I think. Yeah. 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 But so the Eve and Eve was the, the problem who gave Adam the non immortality. Damn <laughs> oh. women. Yes, right. damn women. Yeah. About talking about yeah. religions and no, all the course. immortality and ego. Yeah. Talking about And I mean the ego thing is trip because yeah, you're right. I mean when you Talk about the mindfuck. Like, if you start thinking about identity, and yeah. we clearly, clearly take identity very seriously, it's based on, you know, everything is based on me being yeah. different from that thing out there. And yeah, when you start to think about it, what makes you you is like, well, my body, except that, as you say, your body is constantly changing, and it clearly is not the same one that it was five years ago, 10 years Plus, ago. Plus, most of the cells in your body don't even have your DNA. Right. Yeah. They're right. bacteria. To, to mess yeah. with that yeah. even further. Yeah. Then it's like, well, your mind, except that, you know, people change their mind about, you know, opinion-wise and philosophy-wise. What if you completely change your outlook on life? Are you still the same person or not? Or what if you have a stroke? What if you have, or what yeah. if you or lose your memory yeah. or yeah. something? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that really makes you wonder what exactly is the I we are talking about? Yeah. What exactly are we talking about? Yeah. Because it's... If anything, if there is such a thing, it's a process, not yeah. an object that stays stable in yeah. time. It's yeah. like this weird process that yeah. uh, this, by the way, is the kind of conversation that Duncan would very much dig yeah. after <laughs> enough weed. He would yeah. be in the bucket of either man. You see, uh, <laughs> you are the driver behind your eyes, and that is you until your tendrils I are separated and severed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good Duncan, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you are raindrop for all time now i'll have you know that range right. lovely yeah 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 grasshopper yeah. yeah yeah well anyway that's that's sort of what the next book is about well that's cool so you can tell why i don't want to commit too much till i get yeah, into it because we'll see where it goes but yeah i think it's really going to be you know about that what i want the book to do for readers is what i wanted sex at dawn to do for readers which is to simply say look you're not happy that's not surprising. Right. That's not your fault. 
you know, there are a lot of reasons to not be happy. And in fact, the guilt trip of how dare you not be happy, you've got all the material shit you could possibly want, just makes it worse. And the reason it makes it worse is not that you're a selfish bastard. It's that the material shit doesn't scratch the itch. Right. And create shame. That's why you come there. Right. Well, Duncan, last time I was, (laughs) speaking of Duncan, last time I was on Duncan's podcast, he said, in Duncan's voice, he said, you know what you are? You're a you're a shame yeah, exorcist. exorcist. Like, All right, yeah, that's gone on my fucking nice. business card. Yeah, you sure the shame exorcist. That's a cool title. I know you're talking about sleep in the next book. Is it true that we are on the Henry Ford cycle now and never in our existence? We had some sort of split cycle where right you kind of had the siesta, but at night you would do a four hour cycle and then you would get up in the night and that's when people would draw and fucking and sing and hang out and and get the fire going again ah and then you do four more to get you up at 5 30 yeah thomas edison really messed up sleep and in fact thomas edison himself had a real hard time with sleep he went through his whole life he went around telling everybody he only needed four hours of sleep a night right sick bastard he was really proud of that yeah that he only you know but there are all these photographs that have have surfaced of like Thomas Edison, Mark Twain, and and I think I don't remember which president it was, but a president. And the two two guys are sitting there talking in the garden, and Thomas Edison's crashed out under right. the tree. The dude was taking like five hour naps every day. <laughs> that does make right. the four hours easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fucking bullshit. It. But yeah, that's that's one of the things I've been researching. Sleep. Patterns. That's fascinating. Interesting. I'm all about. It. Let's jump back to that, especially well, in a, in a world yeah. where the we're so fucking traffic ridden. Yeah. Why don't we spread it out? I'd happily be one of the night people, you know? Yeah. Let me go home at four in the morning to get my second cluster of sleep and Well, run you it think that about way. I mean, it makes no sense. They build these huge buildings, right? These office buildings. Yep. And half their life, they're sitting empty. Yep. You know, well, we'd have to air condition them if you stayed. I mean, that, yeah, I'm yeah. with you completely. But, but I mean, that is the economically, insanity. you know, you don't like a taxi company doesn't leave the cars parked all night. You know, that you get they're running, they're running, they're running, everything's running. You know, you amortize the or whatever that verb is. Uh, you know, you use the machine as yeah. much as possible. That's yeah. you know, um, yeah, doesn't make sense yeah. to have all these empty buildings. But yeah, I don't know. I was I was on this uh, TV show the other day talking about the future of work, and mm-hmm. you know, as with everything else, I tend to be the pessimist on the panel. But it's like you know, the future of work, there is no future because all everything gets automated. There are more and more people, like, and we need less and less people to do stuff. Well, especially on the scale that we're used to getting paid here. Oh, yeah. I tell a terrifying story that a friend of mine had a little traction on a movie, and all of a sudden they needed a poster done. Well, he calls around town, $800 two weeks, $1,200 so I'll have it next, next week. And he found some kid in Pakistan mm. who did five versions in two hours and charged him 12 bucks right. and wouldn't accept the other 50 he wanted to give him because our deal was 12, we do 12. That's dignity. These artists... And that's globalization. And that's globalization. When the economics of that will change, there will still be the other element of which, which will be you know, the development of artificial intelligence and robots oh, and yeah. stuff where yeah. you will be able to, I mean, I don't want to be too Terminator-like, but you will be able to have the, ro- I mean, hell, who wants to clean their house? You know, you'll have the robots that you pull out of the closet. Does it seem look lifelike, acts lifelike? 
it will be the one that you know of course there will be the issue you know the recall for model xy 2000 that has ripped off somebody set off by mistake but you know it will be but yeah and that's the other thing because by the way the whole thing about robotics that's funny that people never talk about and it's the most obvious application and it's the one that's gonna make that's gonna drive the industry is sex of course course it's gonna be sex because it's like wait now you have this totally lifelike person that looks and feel like a real person except that you turn them on and off whenever you want and, and probably even more beautiful right sexier than and, new, and that beauty and lasts forever yes. you don't have to yeah. feed them you don't have to worry about that yeah. they are always whenever you're ready whatever you want to do they are on it's like Kinky man too. it's like yeah. no one in the youth that's why to me in my mind that's the perfect solution to overpopulation mm-hmm. Because you know how today a lot of people have uh, a lot of people have sex and have kids because well they have kids because really they want to have sex and they are lazy about stuff or they are having kids because uh, they need companionship and that's why they get into a relationship really they don't necessarily like each other that much but they figure like I need somebody when you have your uh, random robots that cater to all your needs day in and day out why the fuck do you want to, you know, unless you really want to have kids because it really comes from deep inside of you, if it's a superficial thing, why would you? Why would you want to have a husband or a wife or even any kind of like, fuck, people would be like, I'm watching my TV, I have my robots, I'll send an email to some yeah. people once in a while and screw it and all. The and tragedy for me is uh, people are, are losing their beautiful body mm-hmm. we are losing our body right we are this form we are maybe one day the, the robots are going to be humanized or more beautiful humanized than us and we're going to be a, like sluggish uh, well look that's what we're doing i mean that that's, that's the trajectory of life you know you look at your screensaver i mean on my computer screensaver is like all these nature scenes but yes. I sit there staring at my fucking screensaver yeah, all day. Yes. I don't go out in nature, yes, you know? And so that's, I think that's the trajectory I'm talking about, that we're moving ever deeper into this artificial, you know, gen- genetically modified, yes. robotically controlled, artificial life, because every step along the way, it feels like it, it works. It feels better. It feels right. more convenient. But... It's, it, a it's empty calories but all the way. It's a tragedy. Yeah. Every time I go uh, go to Topanga um, Canyon, Canyon and <laughs> walk around, I feel connected with mm-hmm. universe, with yep. with uh, everything, with the trees, with the, I feel alive. Yep. And I look around. People go jogging and so on. They are. They try to be healthy, and some are really healthy and beautiful. Uh, that's that's life. Yep. Yeah, I, well, that's I, I that's the thing about tragedy. Africa. It's a Go blessing on. to be so far behind. I think so. You know, on that. That's why when people yeah. say, um, you know, when people, for example, the reasons why people work out primarily is health and looks. Mm. And I mean, granted, there's something legitimate about yeah. it because it's obviously better to be healthy yeah. than being unhealthy and it's better to be good looking than looking yeah. like crap. No yeah. argument no. there. But at the same time, if that's what it's all about... Exactly. You could take, you know, the robot implants that make you healthy and that makes you stuff. And it's treating the body purely as an object, which again, is better to have the object well taken care of than poorly taken care of. But it really doesn't, 
is a view of the world that doesn't relate to the body as a real part of who you are that shapes not just how you look or how you feel, but how you feel deep inside, mm. how you think. Mm. The idea that the quality of the thoughts you're having is not separate from the physiological state in which you're in and how one interact with the other. And to me, that's what it's about. To me, in fact, working out is a form of meditation, is a yeah. form of it just makes you fucking happy makes you not all the time sometimes it's like the boring duty that's like it doesn't click and you don't feel but most of the time it's more about how it makes you feel so even if by magic you could take the pill that give you the perfect body perfect health to me that would still be well that's great and I'll take the pill but I also want to keep working out because it's that something else for me beside but, the practical but then the question is would you keep working out you know what I mean? Right. Because that relates back to what I was saying about traveling or right. whatever. I think of when I had this apartment with no hot water and I would like heat the water in this spaghetti pot and, you know, it took hours in winter mm -hmm. and then I'd mix it with cold water in a bucket and I'd do this whole cowboy shower. It was great. But you know what? I could be doing that now, but I don't because I have a hot shower. Yeah, but so if, if the pill existed, yeah. right. I'm speaking for myself anyway. I would take the pill and say, yeah, but I'm still going to work out. And then I would like end up not working mm -hmm. out because I was doing other shit with my time. Well, right. I wonder <laughs> if intelligence is adaptation and we adapt to everything, even to bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Irrational yeah, bad stuff. Is at. that intelligent? Is that adaptation is? Is that intelligent right, right, is? Right. That's what I wonder. Or is it hypnosis? Yeah. That's what it or like evasion yeah. of everything. You don't it's want to suffer? to see what these children are like these days. The, the disconnection. Right. They sit in front of any sort of screen all day long. Every day. Everybody locked yes. in. People are walking into fountains and shit because they're not paying attention yeah. when they walk. Yeah. And then suing yes. them all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they filmed yeah. it and laughed at her. <laughs> I saw that video. You that should, great. You gotta know you're gonna be laughed at at some point and hope it's not a hope it's not your worst moment you know because yeah. i can think about three that if there was a fucking camera rolling i'd have jumped off a bridge because that one would have hurt yeah but that being said when the claudia schiffer love doll comes out you're gonna see a lot of in-shape motherfuckers because they're gonna have a whole new form of exercise available to them. yeah no i mean in that sense in fact speaking of well appropriate for your book and stuff but speaking of sex that would really change everything because why the hell would you put... In a way, I don't necessarily think it's only a bad thing. Just to play devil's advocate, because you guys are sounding like, kids nowadays are not what they used to be anymore. So it's like... <laughs> it's the Egyptian obelisk all over again. When I was a kid. So uh, that's why uh, we children, brought sex. Which, by the way... Sex is a great way to be in contact with nature. Yeah. With the Right. With the body. Especially with farm the, animals. Right? And to be... When I was well, a kid, we had to fuck the goats. We didn't have robots <laughs> like these kids these days. You <laughs> know, <laughs> I read some really nasty yeah. statistics about... I forget which country was. And it was like a European country in the 1800s. So not like back in the day where everybody uh -huh. lived on farms. Where it's like... They were saying like an insanely high percentage of people were saying that they had their first sexual experience with a barn animal. And yeah. I was like, damn, really? And I guess, you know, you spend long enough time on your own and that sheep start looking more and more attractive by the minute. And, <laughs> yeah. oh but yes, God. I can see how that would be. Uh... No, but back to the whole robot thing. To play devil's advocate, I guess... That's um... my dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing because then if you just want to get off, the whole point is you want to have sex because you want to have sex, period. Um, then your perfect, awesome-looking robot who does exactly what you want, has no feelings, is perfect for that. And then when you do want to have sex with a real flesh and blood human being, is because you actually want that person. There's something deeper than just, I need to get off and you just happen to be here and sure, why not, you look okay. So in that sense, it becomes certainly less quantity because the amount of time and energy that you would spend chasing, not even relationship, even just random hookups or something, would be decreased because why would you when you have your robots back home? But when you do, the quality would be higher because it's something that you really damn want as well, opposed can, to being something. We can something. test that hypothesis. You have mm-hmm. hot robots around? Or? <laughs> we, <laughs> we have porn. Yeah. And I think uh, it, exactly what you said, right. a lot less energy is being spent going out and looking, you know, trying to pick mm-hmm. up a woman because you can just stay home and watch porn jerk off and be done with it in 10 minutes and right. you do something else with your time. You know? True, but it doesn't feel the same, so it doesn't quite have the same well, impact. Well, I don't know. You're Better vibrator than uh, sex yeah. with, with uh, no quality or with uh, someone that we don't like at all. No? Yeah. I think so. You know, right. the, yeah. the other part of your hypothesis I wanted to mention earlier, there's a book called The Erotic Engine. Mm-hmm. And the thesis of the book is that every advance in communication Communication technology has been fueled by sex. Yeah, I agree. From the first photo- photography yep. to the you know VHS player to the internet, every if you look at the funding where the money was coming oh, of from to like online purchasing mm-hmm. technology, you know every single one of those things VHS, was developed. VHS is the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we have quantum entanglement coming, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how What's that's going. That? That's where if you have. Particles that are next to each other as they're created, like out of a laser, and you split them apart. Oh, right. They can travel. They're going to prove it by bouncing off the space station, but they say literally a million miles. And if one is affected, the other responds. Yeah, you change the spin on one, the other. Exactly. Okay, yeah, that's uh, so quantum that's, mechanics. And yeah. that would be how we would communicate with ships. Software oh, no, no, no. I just, you know, I figured that it will be the next sort of evolution in communication is the capacity to have real-time communication between very far away places. Instantaneous. Yeah, yeah right. it was no. the Ansible in Ender's Game, if you've ever read that book. No, no, I never read that. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to think VHS was awesome. How about changing the spin of every cell in your body? Yeah, yeah no, that's... But, yeah. But the problem with all this, I mean, to get to your question, sure. whether this is a good thing or a mm-hmm. bad thing, which is a, the, a question at the heart of this book I, I'm walking around and getting ready to shit out, uh, <laughs> is, you know, is really like what is the nature of a human being? What right. is a human being? Because the path we're on... I, I wrote this article recently about the future of sex for a German magazine. And I, I had to say, when I think about the future of sex, it's like a river that comes to a mountain and splits. Right. right? And it's like either if there's a complete collapse, which seems not unlikely. Sure. Because we're just like using everything up too, yep. too fast. And so if there's a c- complete collapse, then we'll return to the human. Right. Because we will have come to the end of this road sure. and of technology and, and separation and all that. But if there isn't a complete cor- collapse and we continue down this path into ever more virtual realities mm-hmm. and so on, then I think that's where we go. We go into animal, I mean, into Robot. machine Robot. sex. Right. Yep. And and I think it gets even more complicated, though, than, than the way you're envisioning it, because 
the thing about sex with another person is that other person and you have to negotiate a shared reality, a shared kink, a shared mm-hmm. experience, whatever. But if it's just you and a infinitely programmable thing, you can get really weird and there's nobody and to wild. pull you back. Right, of course. Right, and then you know you you come back to, and you try to have sex with a real person and you're like, what do you mean you won't let me yeah. stick it in your ear and lick your eye? <laughs> right. You know? and, and, yeah. So, but I mean... That's what I do. I think that happens. I don't think it's the only thing that can happen. I think is like with any the development of any new technology, the result is usually really bad and really good at the same time, depending on who's using them, why, uh, and it really boils down to individuals. You know, well, the, I don't think so. I don't buy that. Well, how so? I don't buy that because I think technology has an essence that is beyond the way it's used. Malcolm, uh, Marshall McLuhan said the, the medium is the message, right? So like television can certainly be used for, there's good programming right. on television, but most television programming is going to be shit because of the nature of what television does. But I'm sorry, but that's the nature of everything. You know, to me is most, the majority of everything human beings do is shit. From television to how they eat to how they interact with each other, just because to me, in any time in human history, in any social context, not to sound too negative on that, but the majority of human beings are, I wouldn't say shit, but mediocre, to put it nicely. By definition. And right. they right. have to be average. Right. Your bell curve all over yeah. again. And yeah. at least 50, 49% have to be below average, right? right? But with all this shit, imagine all the books that'll be flying outside. <laughs> right. But I mean, the other thing is so to me, in that sense, there is an element of the human, like the person that has uh, not even a technology, but anything in their hand. Even like to me, it's weird. I take it one step further. If I listen to what people say, I could listen to you saying, making a particular argument, and I would be thinking, this is brilliant. I would listen to somebody else who tell me the exact same thing, and since this is total crap. Right. And it's not because I'm an hypocritical bastard who is just, oh, I like him, I don't like him, that's why. Is because in that sense, there's more than just content, there's more than just uh, a TV or how it's really who you are interacts with that particular thing. In this case, it interacts with the message of what you're trying to say, and there's more to it. And one guy, I'll listen to that same phrase, and I think you're brilliant and you're an idiot, even though you just say the same thing. Yeah, but that's the problem that I see with uh, unilateral communication, Mm -hmm. because unilateral communication makes people to make any comment oh, or like be a television, like a a television or yes or in a, by computer so people are thrilled to they're not coward to you know when there is a dual in bi-direction i think that makes people wonder and be humble think more about what you're mm-hmm. saying and think that you're not the smartest people person in the world right because you get feedback you get level, feedback right? and even feedback on podcasting is, yeah. there's a lot more interaction exactly with, and with feedback listeners. is important for grounded you and yeah. to yes. and, in that, and in that sense the know. internet is a nice uh development that sort of subverts all this other all the movement from mm. radio and printing mm. presses and all that which is one directional yeah. as you're yep. saying yeah. finally there there's this multi-dimensional yes. But as far as like technology, you know, having an essence, think about guns. Uh, right. The big thing that's sure. you know, happening now. It's like 
you know, you know, guns don't kill kill people. People do. Okay, fine, but. You know, what else are you going to do with a fucking gun? You know, sure. It, the essence of a gun is to shoot somebody. But a lot of things are not that simple. Like yeah. that particular example, yeah, it kind of makes sense because that's the function right. and there really are no other functions, really. Right. But I mean, television, but that's Cassie's if, uh, point. You know, right. television is about I'm going to tell you and you're going to listen. Right. And all you can do is turn on, on and off. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And there are limits, clearly, with the fact yeah. that it is unilateral. But then yeah. again, in the hands of different people, the result is dramatically different. Oh, and can fuck, be damaged. Yeah. You can, you know, even like if you look oh, at the yeah. effect that it has on you when you watch TV, yes. so as the consumer, if you I are just sluggish. flipping channel <laughs> on something, yeah, you end up, you know, if you start just start flipping channel and you're consuming whatever is there, before you know it, you're watching lesbian midget <laughs> fights on Jerry Springer, and your energy has just been sucked out of you, where you feel yeah. more tired than when yes. you sat on the couch. Right, and yes. eight hours I have gone like by. That. Precisely. And yeah. two bags but, of chips. And you yeah. pizza but, all of a sudden. <laughs> right. But by That's the same token, here. the same, you sit down on the couch and watch TV, and it's the one show you want, and it's the one show that has this awesome storytelling that hits you deep, you watch two hours, you're entranced, and you feel better than when you sat down. So to me, yeah. it's like, even though clearly that's not the majority, that's still not even just a random possibility. Can and should happen more often, and it's just yeah. a matter of quality of people putting in the right quality. Thank it. God for HBO. Seriously. Mm. And uh, so to me, that's, I don't know, but you guys are just trying to spoil my robot's fantasies. I like Vero. <laughs> well, I, do you have a, a flashlight? No, but that's that's the evolution of the flashlight, right? That's what the robot is essentially. It's the whole. Uh, it's, it's a mannequin with a flashlight, right? Precisely. And uh, but in that sense, again, I think that in a lot of cases, probably in the majority of cases, it would be a bad deal in terms of human interaction because you would make people never want to get out of their house, become really weird if they ever do. So there would be that. But by the same token, it would also make some people cooler with human beings because they're not just trying to use them for something they have other yeah. ways if they that's all they want they can do it anytime they want better mm. it becomes because you actually want a real human interaction yeah um you feel relaxed you don't argue with anybody so right it's kind of like exactly. if you are having crazy wild orgasm day in and day out yeah. with your robots anytime you want and you are ridiculously fulfilled that way then when you reach out to somebody because you're reaching out yeah, yeah it may be about sex too but it's yeah. about about a deeper connection than purely I want to get off right now. You remind me of the Woody Allen movie, the Everything You Ever Want to Know About Sex mm -hmm. But Afraid to Ask. There's a scene where he's in the future and they've got an orgasmatron. Do you remember that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're, they're handing it's like a ball, an orb that they're handing around at a party. And he's like he's been time traveled into the future, so he's a normal guy from the 70s who wakes up and then and they, give, they hand it to him. He's undercover, and he won't let go. He's like, and then they're like, okay, but he's like, right. he's bogarting the yeah. orgasmatron. That's funny. <laughs> it's a good scene. That's funny, yeah. So I got to ask, did, did you get to do your TED Talk? Did that happen? I did, yeah. What was that like? Was it was it Long Beach? or At Long Beach, yeah, oh, the big man. show. Yeah, that was wild. That was strange on so many different levels. I just love that they share it. You know, that, that almost seems like 200 years ago, that would have been a secret society that we're going <laughs> to tell is. all the good ideas. Yeah. Well, no. that's because only, you know, that 15% on the good edge of the bell curve gives a shit, and everybody else just wants to get it drunk for the weekend. Dude, do you know how much it costs to it's, go to it's TED? It's like four grand, right? 7500 
for all four Wait. days. Yeah, for four days. But no hotels, no travel. That's just to get into And the you're events. in Long Beach. And you're in Long Beach. Starting next year, Vancouver. And they're, I they're mi- moving to Vancouver. Am right? I mistaken? Or speakers do get paid or don't? You don't get a dime, right? Nope. Yeah, that's what I thought it was hilarious. Like, I heard that before where they're like, they ask me of a, about a friend of mine saying, oh, can you get in for this TED talk? And I'm like, sure, you know, what kind of deal, you know, if I'm passing the message, what should I tell them? He's like, like, oh, no, they don't get paid. I'm like, so you want this dude to fly across the country to get paid zero to do a talk for you? I'm like, are you fucking insane? You know, what's wrong with this picture, you know? Well, the exposure you get's amazing. Uh, if it's the big yeah. show, right? Not a TEDx right. thing. If it's the, and, um, it, it's a schmooze fest unlike any other. I mean, I was standing next yeah. to Peter Gabriel for 15 minutes right. chatting yeah. about a f- common friend we have in Spain that he went. And, you know, then I'm we were behind uh, Governor Granholm of Michigan in the lunch line. And then we're chatting with no, Nobel Prize That's all winners. great and all, but yeah. still, from the point of view of who organizes, mm-hmm. you can do the exact same thing and actually pay people involved. You know what I mean? It's not the fact that you don't pay them that makes all this happen. I think it is, and it's the honor, right, of getting that call to come down and... Yeah, I mean, as as a public speaker, it's about the top engagement you can get. You know, and I'm talking about people like Tony Robbins, right? Or was that his name? Tony Robbins, the motivational guy. He did a TED Talk. And that guy gets probably 50 to 100 grand per day. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If you're doing that, sure, it's entertainment. You have so much money that, yeah, I'll fly across the country and deliver my speech because it's entertainment because you definitely don't have any money problem. But for the vast majority, even of good authors or famous people who may not be to quite that level in terms of money, it seems a little weird to me that it's like, well, you should really do this for free because it's for the glory. You know, I'll do that for my friend. I don't do it for a fucking huge organization that does stuff all over the world. Yeah, but the glory is money for you. You know, if you're, yeah. I mean, you're going to sell a lot of books. No, I buy that. I you still know, find this you're sneaky get, from the organizational standpoint. Cause well, I mean, they've got a great know. thing worked out, right? right? Because they're uh, selling something that they buy for free for a lot of money. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's what great I business like an model. Army and Goodwill all over again. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's making me throw up about this whole right. thing. But the truth is that they are delivering value to you as, as a speaker. Yeah huge value in terms of the people you meet there and in terms of your exposure. Sure. So, you know, hey, you go on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, they're not paying you. Right, you right, know, right, right, right. You get a sh- bag of shit, you know, chips or something, <laughs> you know, and you're flying across the country if you're on the West Coast or Colbert or, right, right, you right. know, morning whatever bullshit TV show it is. Um, yeah, and you're not even going to get kangaroo balls. Yeah. <laughs> No, I will in the introduction, don't worry. Oh, you will? have already been discussed by the time oh, we, we get will. to this point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Furry kangaroo I don't balls. know. For some reason, yeah, this is totally just random preconception. But if you tell me, you know, you go to do this TV show or whatever, I'm fine with it. The TED Talk stuff pisses me off. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's named Ted or something. There's <laughs> something that just wraps me wrong. So I don't make in any way, shape, or form any claim that what I'm saying is fair or logical or anything. It's just purely how it hits me on a gut level for yeah. some reason. Well, it is. I, I made the mistake of opening with a joke that nobody thought was funny. Ooh. That always works. Right? Yeah, that's well. always the way you want to start. Um, what... And, and it relates to what you're saying, because I think part of your 
I'm just guessing here, but I relate to what you're saying in terms of the elitism mm-hmm. of you know people who spent seventy five hundred bucks to be there, yeah, uh, and yet it's all about let's help the world, make the world a better place, and so there's there's a there's a contradiction with a bunch of white CEOs getting together in uh, a kumbaya, you know, a very kumbaya <laughs> yeah. kind of vibe, yeah, <laughs> and. You know, but they are very well intentioned, and a lot of the the speakers are fucking amazing. The things sure. that they've done, so you know, I don't mean this disrespectfully at all. But you know, I, I do think it's it's an obvious contradiction. It's an obvious issue. Yeah. So I come out on stage and I say, uh, it's an incredible honor to be on the stage at TED. Uh, about the only thing that could possibly be better than this would be to have so much success and so much money that I could afford to be in the audience at 10. (laughs) (laughs) It's an excellent joke for 99%, and we appreciate that, sir. Now, the dickheads in the crowd, the billionaires in the crowd. Yeah, they didn't get it. They didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I tested that line out before on Friends, and I I did a uh, talk here in L.A., and I said, "Ah, next week I'm doing Ted. I think I'm going to open with this. People were howling. Of course. Ted. Well, and that again, is, this is where I'm. This is <laughs> one where guy I'm, even. Remember that guy? Sorry to interrupt you. That one guy came up to me after he said, "I really enjoyed your talk, but why did you begin by insulting me?" Yeah. Well, yeah, and there. Uh, how many yeah. times going to be four thousand of those motherfuckers that really don't understand what? What do you mean? It's only seventy five hundred dollars, man. Yeah, and the yeah. company pays it. And yeah. the, the jet in was sixty five thousand. Yeah, yeah, this is where I'm just. I don't know. To me, it's like with you know listening to the best speakers in the world i don't care who i'm listening to it can be the most amazing human in the world you just have whatever are you fucking kidding me 7500 dollars to listen to four days of stuff not even for the hot robot i pay 7500 no okay sorry for the hot robot yes i'll pay a one-time payment right no yeah and you'll use that shit for a decade yeah there is a part or two you will have to replace but uh people get a few four or five years out. yeah no but i mean it's like are you kidding me do you think they'll have rentals can you like go to the library and take one out check out that one model and uh, i want the 57 liza <laughs> Liza Minnelli? I don't even know why I said I uh, hope uh, not. Uh, but you could <laughs> I think you're gay, man. I'm sorry to break it to you. <laughs> if you're picking the Liza. Yeah. A very special episode all the time. <laughs> right. That each comes out. That's going to be oh, the man. episode. I think I'd go with the 68 Raquel. Raquel Welsh, 1968. And I mean... Sorry to interrupt your oh, fantasy. Yes. I'm on a rant. Uh, but I guess it really, I guess, you know, when you have that much money, you don't see it. And that's why they probably don't get it. It's like, mm-hmm. it seems weird. But that seems like you need to be living in such a parallel world compared to 99.9% of human beings. And not just living in a parallel world, because, you know, it's not your fault. You know, you have money. Good for you. That's not a bad thing but that you don't have interaction with everyone else because otherwise you'd fucking understand where everyone else is coming from mm. and the drop in. I remember this is how, by the way, this is how I probably am fucking up relationships in the future right now by saying this and I already did it in the past. There was one time when I first, uh, the guy who actually hooked me up with my first book um, was an author that uh, I wrote stuff that, was similar to what he was doing. We were quoting some of the same people. We clearly had a lot of similar worldviews. I met him, super nice guy. We got along. 
And then one day he sent me an email inviting me to a seminar office and he wasn't all the clear inviting what he meant, but the seminar was like a three-day thing for like $4,000. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I at the time I was making about 10000 a year. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, right. I'm going to put... And he, if I just said that, he would have been okay with it. But I think I hyped it a little more because my question was, all your whole thing is you're saying how you're doing thing basically to change the world, to make everything better, to do this and that. And then you price what you're doing knowledge-wise for a three-day thing at $4,000, which is basically a ruling out that 99.90% of human beings will ever have access to. Do you see any kind of contradiction in this perhaps? Right. That did not go well. He clearly did not like being questioned about that. And, you know, I honestly thought, stupid me, I actually thought it was a question that I could ask and still maintain a decent relationship, mm. that it was just that, ooh, now you're going to answer and I'm going to get why, and maybe I agree, maybe I disagree, but sure, why not? And then I realized that I touched the one spot that he probably didn't feel fully okay with. Right. And that's something tweaked him wrong. And yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, you know, dangerous. that's too bad because this is a guy who did help me, who's a nice guy. But clearly I touched the wrong spot. And to be honest, it's a spot that I would touch anyway, right. even if I know that he reacts badly because it does rub me wrong. Yeah. And Well, it, to the, in the defense of Ted, uh, you know, as we started the conversation saying they do give it all away. Mm -hmm. So I think that's their saving grace. If they kept it or if they charged you then oh, okay, to view okay, the thing. Okay, so what's the deal? How do they give it all away? It's all, on the, it all, it's all on their website. Every TED Talk that's ever been given, mm -hmm. that they, you know, they put it up. Mine hasn't gone up yet because they, you know, right. sort of dribble them out over the months. No, but they give it all away as in it's free content. It's freely yeah. available. Yeah, I know. That's what everybody. I bet. It's like, where does the money go? Oh, the money! Oh, yeah. They, well, they they do have um they have a million dollar TED prize that they give to some whoever comes up with like the best idea, you know. That, Out of the thirty five million, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think their bookkeeping is open. Right. Uh, somebody's making some money, yeah. but you know, again, it's like. I find it hard to fault them, and I'm not just saying this because someone might be listening. And sure, um, but they uh, they were very generous to us. Um, they, uh, it, you know, they're making money, but that's as you said, that's not necessarily a bad thing, no. especially when they. You know, people like me are clamoring to get in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm honored that they would let me sure. give my 12-minute spiel for free, honestly, you know, and, right. and be there and meet all these people and all that. And and the fact is, in the end, it's all on the Internet for free, and they right. are sharing it. And so, hey, good for them if they're making some, some money on it. Remember, they discover the kids, and they go to Africa. They invest part of the money. Yeah, they do a lot of traveling around, traveling yeah, trying to, to find, find uh, new... New, new projects, projects to sponsor and, and, yes. and stuff like that yeah, well, yeah. Well, but they are sensitive about the elitist white guy thing yeah. and right. so that's what I stepped in with yeah. that joke and I thought you know 
my thing is like, yeah, there's there's an obvious elephant in the room. Let's talk, you know, let's yeah, start yeah. by acknowledging sure. that, and then we're all friends here. But yeah, yeah, that was my thought, and it went so well with my guy. So yes, yeah. I can see how that would be. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other thing about Ted is that you don't really want to only be talking to the people in the room. You right. want to be talking to the people on the internet who didn't pay seventy five hundred sure. and never could. It's and so I hope me. when the thing goes online. Yeah. People will be like, hey, if they don't cut it out, I don't know how they'll edit it. But if they leave that in, that people online will be like, hey, good. Finally, somebody made right. a joke about it. You yeah. know? Well, if they do dare cut it, they're going to hear about it because that would be horseshit. I can't imagine that they would. I would be shocked. Well, they have the right to edit it. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm being on the receive again since yeah. this is my special night of the TED Talks. Probably my favorite 15 or 20 new ideas of the past four or five years have come from that. Yeah. And they do hand it over to everybody. So I don't know why it pissed me off, honestly, because when I think about it, no, I, can, I like what you the guys are saying. Thing like, because I'll never forget, I was doing a movie. We did a movie about forgiveness, and we yeah. went to Rwanda where they were forgiving people for what they did. Ooh. Yeah. Completely insane. And, right. and, oh, yeah, and a fun yeah, thing to hang that, out yeah, with. Yeah. Amazing. But the yeah. woman who ran the movie was a real live billionaire, and she had her TED tickets, and she didn't go. Now yeah. that's a criminal right there. Yeah. I was like, you could have easily given, them to given those yeah. to somebody. Yeah. I would have happily got you know a bunch of friends and sixteen people could have got a day piece. You know, right. it would have been awesome. Right. So yeah, shame no, on I mean, you. Honestly, it's weird yeah. because I'm not the guy who's always going off about oh the bad rich thing. It's like whatever. You know, I, many ways I feel like. So in some so cases, what? yeah, I don't have yeah. this, uh, oh, you are making money off it is a bad thing. So I have no idea why these guys rubbed me wrong. I'm but, shocked by it. It's the first thing you've said. Yeah. It really shocked me. I thought you would be a Ted aficionado. No. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a funny thing. And I thing. could be fooled. There's no question yeah. about that. But I think they're upstanding, pretty cool dudes. Right. They're, yeah. they're pretty cool. I mean, they are conservative. They, yes. You know, and they have a brand that they're very concerned about protecting. So... Honestly, I was amazed that they invited me. Right. You know, and and I think some of them were too. Like some of them <laughs> right. were like, "What? Who the hell is this guy?" And so there were there are these stages where like you go, I did a Skype thing with them and like, "Okay, here's going to yeah. this is my talk, run through the talk." And they were like, eh, "That isn't really going to work." And they gave me some very strong feedback about some of the jokes and some of this and that. And I was like, wow. okay. Makes me dislike them even more now. Well, yeah, I'm look, switching over too now. Yeah. What's well, this look, all about? I mean, the thing is my, my shtick is sort of honed for a particular audience that's very sex positive. They're coming out right. to hear me talk. They've read the book or at least heard of yeah. the book. And they're, you know, university or, you know, Portland hipsters right. or whatever. They're not CEOs and right. their wives or third wives or you know, trophy wives or whatever. Uh. And they're not movie stars and all this. Yeah. So, okay. So fair enough. And yeah. It's your platform, you know, right. I'll, I'll do. Okay. So I took a lot of that shit out and then I got to uh, Long Beach for rehearsal day and I went through my thing and there's a slide in my thing where I talk about uh, testicular uh, ratio to overall body volume, mm -hmm. right? And one of the slides has a gorilla in the upper left-hand corner. In the upper right-hand corner, it has a bonobo. Gorilla balls are tiny, tiny right. little things, and bonobo balls are like chicken eggs. And in the middle is this friend of ours sitting on a hammock in his Speedo. Right. And he's got pretty big balls. And it says, it says gorilla, bonobo, Italian. Right? <laughs> 
everybody always laughed at that. Every show I've ever right. done, right? Yeah. At TED, they're like, well, they're, they're two, the two, two people ran it. There's a guy and a woman, and the woman's like, that's a little creepy for me. I went over the line. And the, and the guy says, now here's what kills me. The guy says, I'm thinking Italians are going to be offended oh, by yeah, that. Oh, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and I'm God like, damn it, I can't believe I invited you to this thing. Leave my podcast. This is terrible. It's God damn <laughs> I don't want like, to be an have Italian. You, have you ever been to Italy or even New York? Yeah. You know, you tell an Italian he's got big balls, you're not insulting him. Of course not. No. Okay. <laughs> Quite the contrary. If I may pat myself on the back, before we started, I had no idea why Ted rubbed me wrong. Uh, I had some vague now feelings. Now I know exactly. There's some bullshit establishment snooty by the book vibe about it that's really makes yeah. me throw up makes me throw up twice as much because there's the pretense to be advanced and open and brilliant and whatever yeah. so fuck you Ted yeah do you uh, know that not from not yeah. from Chris who would like to go back and talk to you guys and you have a very lovely platform that you would like to get back into I but just, just want to see my thing online and then yes. and then well uh, so but from me <laughs> Well, Fuck they, you. they were great for us. No, they were really they were great yeah, for us. They, we can't complain. The, th- the right. thing about Ted, here, here's uh, here's as critical as I'll get about Ted, is uh, my feeling Don't be. Is, you want to get back. No, I don't care about getting okay. back. I just want my talk to be okay. posted. Right? Sure. But but my my feeling is that they are, they're, they're essentially quite conservative people who think they're very open-minded. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and and so they're very mainstream. Yep. You know, they're they're hanging out with billionaires. There's a lot of money involved, and anytime there's a lot of money involved, you're gonna you're gonna be very conservative because you don't want right. to fuck it up. You mm-hmm. know, and so they want to be cutting edge, but the fact is that the cutting edge is a dangerous place to be. Of course, it's a risky place yep. by definition. So they want to seem that they're pushing limits yep. without really offending anyone or you right. Know. And so you're right. I mean, it ends up with uh, there's a false feeling about it because of that, you know. But but within that, I think the thing is, I think in social issues that becomes dangerous. But so they tend to focus on medical advances, technological right. no, that's stuff. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Or that's it's cool. fine. Like that's you invent cool. something yeah. that you know purifies water and it's Great. cheap to do. Of course, that's a clear Good winner. for you. Yeah. Yes. And, and but yes. Moral issues. They but when cautions, they get into the social cautions. stuff, yeah. yeah, the sexuality or yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. poverty. Yeah. Yeah. It gets kind of complicated because yeah. yeah. they're not willing to really question the paradigm. Yeah, if we're talking about okay. science nerds, they sound like they could be yeah. good science nerds. Oh, but yes, anything, be, well, and even that, I don't know because I don't know if they're going to make my sex robots. So then that's the only science Ooh, nerd thing I'm interested in. But in any case, expert geeks they may, there. yeah. So, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. But for the other stuff, yeah, I don't know, man. But. Um, well, on that note, since we're talking about <laughs> things that uh, uh, one person can say one thing and is fine, one person yeah. does the other and is not, yeah. uh, I can tell you quite a few messages I got after the first time you were on, where, by the way, everybody loved you, but they gave me shit about something because... Uh, one thing that I regularly pick on, and they were like, oh, you didn't pick on Chris about that. I'm like, I like Chris. I don't want to. But Uh-oh. one thing that I, no, no, I mean, uh, this is the thing. It's like one thing that I regularly pick on uh-huh. is uh, the any kind of title. You know, it's like in martial arts, anytime somebody's like uh, 
master something, I'm like, it makes me want to beat them, you know, immediately. And uh, in academia, in, in everything, the title thing bugged me. And when somebody was like, hey, so what's up? Chris says is, uh, you know, in his uh, Twitter thing, as uh, through PhD, all of that. Why didn't you pick on him? He's like, because Chris is Chris. And if he does it, it's okay. <laughs> but if you well, do you it, you're an asshole. You know? God, it's like, no, I'll tell you why, why I did it. It's because Chris Ryan was taken. Was taken of course. Christopher yeah. Ryan was taken. Yeah. Christopher P. Ryan was right. taken. But yeah. now why, yeah. why not then Chris Ryan big balls or something or whatever? You know what no. I mean? It's like... He yeah, has to be I, professional. I, I, already I had, wouldn't let you do that. He wouldn't let me. <laughs> no. There's no, an answer. She knows I don't have big balls. Right. We can't all be Italian, yeah. you know. Yeah. Don't rub yeah. it in. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's believe me, it's not because I'm I'm uh, you know, I don't demand people call me doctor. The of only course. the only people who've ever called me doctor were uh my poker buddies in Barcelona. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they only did it when they were taking my money. And right. they'd say, Thank you, doctor. Right. You know, so it was only used to humiliate me. No, but in fact, it's like I it totally doesn't fit in everything that you do and say. So it's not yeah, like I even no, think I that's even, that's probably why I didn't even think he was even. And, and a, honestly, my PhD is from a third rate university nobody's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Most people think I got it like through the mail. Right. You know? So um no, and the other reason I I'm very skeptical of PhDs you know, calling themselves doctor or anything is um that my wife is a doctor. Right. I live yeah, with a doctor, exactly. right? Yeah. Someone like so if you start bleeding out of your nose, yeah. I'm not going to help right. you. You know, I yeah. Well, so at this I, at this, mo- at this time you're going to help because you know a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not because he's a doctor, because he's uh, he got the shit together, right? Yeah, yeah. No. So so I feel and, and like I said I worked in hospitals in Barcelona and I have a lot of respect for somebody who goes through medical school and who like, yeah. you know, busts yeah. their ass and gets in there and cleans up the shit and yep, gets in with course. the blood. Eh. The closest I've ever gotten to that was one time on an airplane. Uh, I was flying into LA and they they it was a transatlantic flight and they called for a doctor. And I was like, uh, you know, the, and nobody answered. And then the they called again, like we really need a doctor. Are there any right. doctors on the flight? Mm-hmm. Nobody said anything. And then, um, the the stewardesses were standing next to me and they were like well there's no doctor what are we going to do oh my god i don't know what are we going to do and they were really upset and i said um listen i'm not a doctor but i work in a hospital and they're like really oh my god do you know how to take blood pressure and a pulse we need and i was like yeah sure so i went and this guy was having a panic attack as it turned out i was the perfect doctor for and I took his blood pressure and his his pulse, and they had to like send it down to you know ground control and all this shit. And I didn't tell them that like I taught English in a hospital, yeah. you know. Please tell me they worked out like in the movie Airplane, where you walk up and he's like, "You're panicking," and you start slapping them. He's like, "You need to calm down." Uh, phlebotomy is a hobby of mine. I'd be happy to take some blood if you could. <laughs> yeah, and I and I speak jive too. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see some in the let's pick on Chris mode. Pick let's on pick me. on something pick on else. Um, I remember last time, I'm not sure I do justice to your argument, but if I remember correctly, you said something. Uh, we started talking about, uh, we're talking about hookers. And in talking about hookers, one thing, which by the way, sorry, let me go on a detour. This is totally, must be in some weird way on my mind today because I was listening to this song. Uh, um, 
old song, The Track of My Tears by Smokey Robinson. Oh, yeah. And there's this line that at one point in say, is basically he broke up and he's making the argument that he's putting on the show that even though it looks like he's all happy and having fun, he's really deeply necessary and blah, right. blah, blah. And at one point he says, um, how does it go? Um, something about a party and oh if you, you, you see, see me, me with another fun. girl you see me with another girl it looks like i'm having fun uh, he say the actual line is she's just a substitute and i could swear that i was listening to it i was like oh you see me with another girl look like i'm having fun but she's just a prostitute and i was like <laughs> hmm i was wondering about the meaning of those lyrics and then i heard the second title <laughs> refrain is like she's just a substitute i'm like Oh yeah, that may make a little more sense. And perhaps, but... thinking robotic. <laughs> that was actually the lyric till yeah. the Ted guys got a hold of it. Right, song exactly. It up. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> no, but the, the thing that we were talking, I remember in the discussion about prostitution last time mm-hmm. when you said something about it would uh, it would bug you the whole idea that. The um, the lady involved doesn't really want to be there, and the only reason why she's there is because you're paying, and so it's you know you feel like oh, that's a little oh, weird, right. and there was that. Right. And what I was wondering though is, uh, if you go get a massage, your masseuse doesn't really want to be there other than for the fact that you're paying them. Right. Um, why is it different? For me, it's not actually. I, I'm uptight about getting a massage, which is weird. <laughs> Right, because I was a paid masseur for a long time. So you're a prudish freak. <laughs> I am a bit of a freak, yeah. I mean, I, I don't like also like uh, uh, those guys in the train station who shine your shoes. Yeah, yeah that's weird. That's yeah. weird, but that's there's a, an element that not to go that off again, but it does seem like a social class thing where it just feels weird. Subservient in some way. Because but, you yeah. don't shine your friend's shoes, but you give right. your friend a massage, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's... It's weird. Would... It's not weird in Africa or in uh, India. I mean, we were traveling in Asia. I got a few massages from blind people in Cambodia. They fantastic. have uh, massage schools right. for the blind in Cambodia and Vietnam. I remember getting a few there, but there I, I sort of more felt like it was a form. It was like a way of giving money to people mm. who needed it. I don't like getting massages from strangers, hmm. yeah. and I've been really lucky in that Casilda, who I've been with for fifteen years, is amazing body sense, and Anna, my yeah, a girlfriend that I was with for ten years, is an amazing masseuse. Masseuse, masseuse sure. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten a lot of massages over the years from women who loved me. Hmm. And so I guess I associate it with a level of affection that just feels weird with a stranger. So something that feels damn good physically, whether we're talking about sex or a massage, cannot be separated from deep feelings. <laughs> I no. trapped you, you bastard! No. I got you there. Ah. Sorry, let me do my dance. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, note that I said affection, <laughs> not lifelong love. Right. I mean, you I can dissociate. I, I can get a massage from a friend, you know, and I can have sex yeah. with a friend. Yeah. But a stranger who's doing it for money makes me feel weird. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 
I, I mean, I don't, certainly not uh, on any ethical level or right. moral level. I don't think there's anything right. wrong with it in general, yeah. you know. It just it just makes me feel weird. Why like, do you think that is? Because I mean, that obviously the feeling is legitimate, right? Is you you feel weird, you feel weird, right? You don't enjoy it, so it doesn't the doesn't even have to be a good reason. But it's, you know what? Uh, it might get into your whole fucking robots thing. Please do tell. because the fact that I've got it freely available at home, mm-hmm. you know, I could just tell Cassie, "Hey, my back is," right. and she'll be like, "Yeah, lie down." We've yeah. we in our apartment in yeah. Topanga, we have two pieces of furniture in the living room, yes. a massage table <laughs> right. and a tent. And a tent. Yeah. We sleep nice. in our tent in the living room, and there's a massage table. That's all there is. Right. I've never been so disappointed with an answer in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Vietnamese fuck swing. Right. right. <laughs> well, that's that's back in Barcelona. Oh, oh, oh. You can't travel with that. That's true. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe it's just like, you know, I've got... And the problem is pay, oh, sorry. pay for something that is... Um, is emotional. Receive uh, an emotional. Right, but a massage isn't really emotional. Mm, I mean, no, maybe I just make. Yes, I, I that's why prostitution. That way, you pay but, for love for by commas love. Right, you pay right. for an emotional, and that doesn't feel completely comfortable. Because it's for not that, a real emotion. I'd rather use a robot, mm-hmm. a vibrate, right. something. Yeah. At least you know the robot doesn't secretly hate you. Right. No. And yeah. you don't need to. To receive that, like a misery by the uh, misericordia, can you mm-hmm. say? Like a, something that you, a poor you, I'm going to give it. Right. Pity. Pity, yes. Right, right. Yes, a pity situation. You can feel that in with a prostitute. You you look for company with a prostitution yeah. most of the time, no? Yeah. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Hey, what don't a, what know. other shit would you like to give me? No, I think I'm done giving <laughs> you shit. I think that was it. So it was actually a limited amount of shit oh, I wanted to was, give you. That but was baby um, shit right yeah, there. no, yeah. mild stuff, absolutely. Yeah. But um, when are you leaving for Vancouver again? A uh, couple of weeks, end of end of April. Damn it! We'll need to hook up uh, yeah, Skype uh, and well, that too. And uh, we'll also need yeah, to hook you guys up. Yeah, should come uh, to Vancouver. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll need to hook up Skype too and figure out. Um, well, with my new computer, well, that's all we'll have to take is that and the microphones. So. Nice, nice, nice. I've, nice. I've got microphones, so uh, yeah, there you go. That would be no, that would be cool to continue more conversations with the crazy people here. We um, there's uh, for those of you guys who have been requesting that. We're trying to hook up a podcast with Dan Carlin. He said he's down. He's just not in LA. So we would have to do a Skype thing, which I've never done. And I'm kind of hesitant because I like the personal interaction, being in the same room. As and, much as uh, robots. Right. Well, <laughs> not quite as much as robots, but you know, it's precisely because, because I have my robots that talking. this is by choice rather than by... Hey, there's a book. <clears throat> there's a book you should get. It's called Love and Sex with Robots. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Yeah. It came out of 2010, more or right. less. Yeah. Love and Sex with Robots. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I got obsessed with. Today I got obsessed with robots and with hating Ted. Two things that I honestly, if somebody told me two days ago, you're going to hate Ted and you're going to want to have sex with robots, I would have been mildly puzzled. But then again, back to our identity thing, things constantly change, right? They do seem related on some profound level. (laughs) Because you know what Ted stands for, right? Technology, education, and design. Hmm. So you've got the technology and the design going into your robot which right. you want to fuck right I'm assuming he you want to call fuck that it. educate yeah he's <laughs> right. going to educate it 
So we got all three bases covered. I mean, I don't know. If you want to slap it around. That's pretty funny. You're going to rape and pillage your robot. So it's like all this Ted I'm anger. I'm that far. I haven't thought, really. No. I haven't thought it through, but. You will later okay, tonight. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Interesting. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so we will, despite my objection to Skype uh, in disregard, at least for podcasting, because I really like. Yeah, the, I haven't done that either. I'm, no, I'm resisting it. Well, but you're going to be in Vancouver. And so other than having Pete McCormick on your podcast. Who's already been times, in twice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So that your options will start running Do you think out. he's the only interesting guy in Vancouver? No, actually, as a matter of fact, I radically changed my answer and take it back immediately because I think there is no single place on earth where I've gotten more emails than from Vancouver. Really? Uh, wow. It's the one place where I got the most, even before the podcast, uh, from books I've written. Really? The number one place was Vancouver, still now. So it's, I love um, Vancouver. It's a beautiful place, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. people, really yeah. kind, centered, healthy people. It's it's yeah. uh, clean air, clean water. You're you're like downtown, and there are snow-capped mountains, yep. like no. right. Beautiful. You know, I I remember in Vancouver when we first got there. I remember like walking around and saying, "This is what the future would be like if we weren't fuck ups." Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could just get our shit together, this is what it would look like. Yeah, landscape The nature is so integrated the into the city. Yeah, yeah. that was beautiful, yeah. and it was freaky. I was there for like four days, three days. It rained like crazy. The yeah. last day, there was a tiny bit of sun. And by the way, just to throw some shit at Mr. Pete McCormick, the man tortured me, putting me in a t-shirt in 40 degree weather for two hours because he's like no it looks good this scene let's shoot this thing again it's like motherfucker try to kill me but if you stayed for two more days they would have paid for your uh, health uh, <laughs> so you'd have been right you're canadian yeah but um no one thing that freaked me out is that the second the sun came up it was still 40 degree weather you know it's still damn cold and there was like 70% of the city was out running oh, yes. on the bike oh, yes. doing this yes. and that I and I'm love. just like people super active it's yeah outdoor yeah. people yep. people I love that well we were feeling. we were there last year like through the summer yeah. right April to October or something and we're going up now mm. in May um what I and we, there's it reminds me of those um they're like these frogs that like <laughs> bury themselves in the mm-hmm. mud you know for the winter and they're down there and then they come up and there's like a 10 day mating frenzy mm-hmm. right that summer in vancouver right yeah. it's like everybody's out strutting their shit looking to get laid and like it's like whoa there's some funny. pollen in the air i was right. with the, i was talking to a woman the other day who had hay fever and I said, are you allergic? She said, yeah, I'm allergic to tree bukkake. The hell? That's a way of expressing it. That's yes. what pollen is. Pollen is yeah. tree sperm. My yeah. eyes just got sticky. Yeah, that's mildly disturbing, but... But accurate. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, with that lovely image, oh, perfect I think that would be, yes, that would be a night. Thank you very much for being here. Oh, it's and, a um, great pleasure. We'll have Thank to you either... for having me and putting me to speak. But uh, Cassie thank keeps you forgetting very much. to speak to yes. the microphone. That's okay. That's uh, she's entitled. She you is. broke it. You took my virginity. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. I hope we were gentle. <laughs> I hope it yes, was nice. You are. You are. So that's that's what counts. 
but yeah no it's uh, so we'll do again either vancouver or skype or something the wonders of technology of yeah. course if we do skype we will not be having these oh. kangaroo balls that will be <laughs> oh, no 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 the gauntlet has been thrown down don't worry about that this we can top this good 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 <laughs> thank All you right. so much thank you on And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Get back to work.